Welcome to your weekly dose of NFL Jibber Jabber, the Club Dub Football Podcast. Remember to follow on Twitter, Insta, and watch video shows each week on YouTube. Want to get in touch? That's easy. Message through social or email clubdubpodcast at mail.com. Welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast. Where the only question is Does your team make it into the club? Can he get in? No, he cannot! Hi everyone and welcome to the Club Dub Football Podcast, episode 52. Welcome back, gents, for the week 15 recap show. Hey Phil. So for our regular listeners out there, you may notice that after 51 episodes, for the first time, it's a different voice opening the show this week um, and is in keeping with the latest happenings in the NFL. Unfortunately, our podcasting crew has been struck by COVID-19. So Rob currently finds himself on our reserve COVID list and is laid a little low at the moment. So we're wishing you the best, Rob, and we hope you'll be back on your feet to join us next week. In Rob's absence, it's Phil here after my own two-week absence from the airwaves. Um, telling you to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and watch a roundup each week on our YouTube channel. And if you want to get in touch, feel free to message us on our socials or email clubdubpodcast at mail.com. That's clubdubpodcast at mail.com. Always happy to hear from our listeners. So this week, I'm ably joined by Aldrin and JB for our recap show. Hi, guys. Hello, hello. So we're going to be looking back at all, or most, of the action from the week 15 slate of games. And I say most because as we alluded to on our intro there, there's still two games to play at the time of recording, um, which have both been delayed due to a high number of positive COVID tests in the league over the last week. So we haven't quite got a full slate of of results to run through, but we'll get through what we can um, so far. And we'll have to hold off for our week 15 winner until next week as it still hangs in the balance, as I'm sure JB will update us on later on. Tension, the tension of that <laughs> lofty, lofty result. So as ever, the past week has thrown up some unusual results for us to talk about. And we started on Thursday night football with a back and forth contest between the Chargers and the Chiefs and the Chiefs taking a 34-28 win. We were then treated to Saturday night football this week as well, with the Colts running through the Patriots, especially with Jonathan Taylor there, probably best running back in the league at the moment, finishing up 27-17. One to make Aldrin happy there. Making another member of our podcast crew happy, we move on to Sunday. The Steelers beating the Titans 19-13 to continue their playoff push. The Bills recovered from last week's loss to beat the Panthers 31-14. And in a potential basement battle, the Texans overcame the Jets uh, 30-16. Have I messed that up? The Jaguars. Apologies. The Texans overcame the Jaguars 30-16 in the first game of the post-Urban Meyer era. The Cowboys ran out comfortable winners against the Giants, 21-6. And in probably the surprise result of the weekend, or arguably the season, the Lions demolished the Cardinals 30-12. And I'm sure we'll go on to touch on that later on. Maybe that's what's really held Rob a bit low this week. I think that is why Rob's not here this week, to be honest. The Dolphins extended their winning streak to six games, one of the hottest teams in the NFL, overcoming the Jets 31-24. The Bengals climbed back up to the AFC North lead with a 15-10 win over the Broncos. The 49ers ran out comfortable winners 31-13 against the Falcons. And in one of the most exciting games of the weekend, the Packers secured another division title, squeaking to a 31-30 win over the Ravens, 
who failed on a two-point conversion to win the game right at the end. You know, a really exciting finish to that one. And then not dwelling on this, on Sunday night football, another surprise result where the Buccaneers were shut out at home 9-0 against an understrength Saints team. And the less said about that one, the better. Um, so we again went to last night, Monday night. We saw the Raiders beat a COVID-affected Browns team 16-14 and the Vikings eliminated the Bears from playoff contention with a 17-9 win. So the last two games we've got are the Eagles versus Washington and the Rams versus Seahawks tonight, which are going to close out the week um, as we record this. So following a recap of some arguably surprising scores, I'm going to go going to throw over to you first here, Aldrin. What was your highlight or what did you think was the best performance of the weekend? Yeah, it was a bit of a weird weekend, wasn't it? Because there were so many games that felt really like kind of routine, you know, like the, I don't know, the Vikings beating the Bears and games like that, where it just kind of went to game script, nothing really interesting. And then you kind of had the, those two big standout games. I'm going to dwell on it, Phil. The Bucks game, obviously, and the Cardinals games, where two two of probably the most high-powered, exciting offences to watch this season were pretty much held in fairly comfortable check by, you know, kind of like you said, Phil, both fairly understrength, fairly underperforming teams. So, um, so yeah, it was a bit odd, really. Obviously, the standout game was the Saturday night football where Jonathan Taylor cements his place as the MVP of the league. Um <laughs> So, I mean, I think, yeah, that was that was my game of the week, um, unsurprisingly. But, uh, yeah, that was just another one where the Colts did the best to um, best impression of many games they've done this season where they march out to a lead against a very good opponent and then generally take the third quarter off just to make the fourth more interesting. So, um, so yeah, I was pleased we came out with the W on that. But, yeah, just a weird weekend, really, just that mix of, easy cruising games and then those those kind of big swings and misses from some of the better teams yeah you're right there were a fair few games where the result kind of never really seemed to be in doubt didn't it and then you've got those other couple of games that it, it just seemed to come from nowhere you know you'd expect a comfortable win the other way and 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 you know one team underperforms one team overperforms and, and you have a surprise result I think you're mentioning of Jonathan Taylor as an MVP candidate it was arguably tongue-in-cheek cheek I mean it's uh uh, a really? quarterback award, you know, normally, but you, you know, who could argue against it? And he's kind of come from nowhere a little bit. I think the early days of, of the season, you had, you know, Kyler Murray potentially, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady enters the conversation, Derek Henry, you know, if he puts up another 2,000 yard season, then Henry gets injured. The, the Packers kind of falter a little bit. You know, Brady's had a couple of bad games and, and, and suddenly it, it looks a little bit more wide open. So who's to say come the end of the season, if, if Taylor doesn't keep running the Colts into, into kind of uh, a potential division winning position and, and a playoff position that he couldn't win the MVP? I think he's just, uh, for me, he's just been the most consistent. You know, he's the most consistent player and arguably, I mean, I hate to say it, but we're incredibly reliant on his performance you know he leads our team and I think that's what you want from an MVP right it's somebody that leads your team maybe against adversity but certainly towards the playoffs and he's he's doing a damn good job of that at the minute the Fox team in the game pulled up a graphic in comparison of JT's stats so far this season in comparison to the other running backs who have won MVP or like been in the consideration and he's right in there with the average for all of those. So I think, will he be the MVP? 
I don't necessarily think that's that's a sewn up as, as maybe other other critics and commenters may say, but he's absolutely got to be in, in contention for it. And I think I said to I said to to you guys in our sort of our WhatsApp chat. I think the day after there was something incredibly Derek Henry about that run, like the Colts needed to just sort away the game. They needed to just run the ball, get a cup, get a first down or two and take it out of the Patriots hands. And Taylor just thought, nah, I'll just smash it. I'll just hit the hole at full speed and just absolutely go. And the thing I liked most about it was he got a hint of space. He still had three or four Patriots surrounding him with enough space to make a tackle. And Kevin Burkhart on commentary just declared that it was done. Like he'd still got to go the full 60 yards or whatever it was. But from a commentary point of view, it's like, nah, they ain't catching him. He's gone. And he was, and, and that was really what you needed. I think you, you rightly called out. It was another one of those Colts performances where you get into the, the third quarter with a big lead. Again, the Fox team had a graphic for that. And you start to kind of look and think, oh, the Patriots are coming back here. Maybe Mac Jones isn't having as bad a game as we think it is. And it's times like that that you need the leaders in your team to step up and make a statement and kind of JT put the team on his shoulders and went, it's all right, lads, follow me. I've got this. Very good points made. Very good points made. So over to you then, JB. What was your highlight or your your star performance of the weekend? Uh, I mean, come on, it's it's everything that happened in black and gold, surely. Like Joe Hayden rolling back the years and proving he's the greatest cornerback in the game today. TJ Watt breaking the Steelers single season sack record and coming within a sense. Uh, you know, he's got a touch of potentially breaking Michael Strahan's sacks in a season record. Um, I mean, I'm not going to lie, sat watching it thinking, oh, it's all going to fall apart here. It's all going to be a disaster. Um so the, the big thing I think for me was just how well teams did despite all of the adversity that's going on. Like you had so many games, so many teams impacted by gestures at the state of everything going on in the world right now. And yet, like you still had teams really show what they're made of, like um, the Ravens. Ravens. Ravens bought it close. The Ravens bought it really close. And if it wasn't for maybe another questionable go for two instead of playing for overtime decision by John Harbour. Maybe we talk about that game differently. Nick Mullins in his first game for the Browns had the Browns in first place in the AFC North for a little bit. Um, even, even if we use them as an example, Davis Mills, because they maintain that Terod Taylor is still the starting quarterback for the, for the Texans. He came in and he had a good game. Yes, we have to account for the fact that they were playing the Jags, but he didn't look hopeless, which is what we've seen from some other rookie quarterbacks at various points this season. So that's that's kind of where I'd go. Interesting points there, James. And, and yeah, there were some, some real kind of surprising performances from some of the backups, I think. Um, and if I think about my performance of the weekend, it's kind of includes one of those backups if we look at Huntley at the Ravens um but my performance of the weekend I think is going to be Mark Andrews you know he he pretty much dragged them through that game um with a Ravens team that's completely banged up you know their their quarterbacks ill or injured as well um you know I, I think they're, they're missing their 
two starting corners as well, um, which I, you know, I, I know a fair few teams are, but Andrews is, is really stepping up to the plate. I mean, he had a good season last year. I think he's arguably having a, a better one this year. And, and I think, you know, he was a real reason why they were so, um, you know, so competitive, I suppose, on, on, on Sunday and why they, you know, they nearly came out winning that game. Um, the two point conversion thing was maybe a little bit odd when you think that a, a, a point to, to tie the game would have taken them to overtime, but they obviously felt more confident in trying to win the game on that two point conversion than they did, you know, in, in, if they took the game to overtime. So I kind of understand the call. I quite like the call as well. I like an aggressive, um, an assertive play call from a coach. So yeah, that, that was pretty interesting to see, but I think well, you, is definitely my performance. did you, did you see the video that came out? I think it was on NFL.com where I watched it. It was on the Ravens Twitter as well, where it showed how Harbour came to that decision. And when they got to that play, he went over to the bench and he was like, if we get to the point where we score this touchdown and, you know, we, we can tie the game up, do you want to kick the field goal and take it to overtime? Or do you want to go for the win? And Huntley was straight away said, let's, let's do it. And Mark Andrews was the same. I think he said, yeah, let's go and win the game now. And afterwards he said to Harbour, you know, that was the right call. We had to go for the win. So I, I thought that was interesting. See, I, I disagree with that. Me in too. my extensive knowledge of not being a really successful Super Bowl winning NFL head coach like John Harbour, um, because ultimately you have you've you've got a win, and you need to look at what the more realistic chance is. Is it that you're going to pull off a two point conversion when you already haven't done that with? with respect to Huntley, your better quarterback, or is it you put the best kicker in the game, sorry, Phil, in to kick the extra point and take it to overtime? And I think it's, yeah, smacks, it's all what, sorry, I was just going to say, I think it smacks of a team that is afraid of putting the ball back in Aaron Rodgers' hands and having the ability to stop him. I think that's more where it comes from rather than, you know, them not wondering whether they can convert it or not. It's more that if we kick the field goal, all we do is delay the inevitable. But what you've now got, and sorry, Phil, I might be treading all over your point here, but what you've now got is a Baltimore Ravens team that are on a three-game losing streak and are now out of the playoffs. Well, if you if you look at the, the division, if they win next week, they're back in, potentially. So... You know, it's. I mean, that's probably the toughest division in in the league to call at the moment. I think we all thought um, the Cardinals division, you know, Cardinals, Rams, Seahawks, Niners at the start of the season was probably going to be one of the harder ones to call. But you know, the AFC North, I'm not sure if you can count any of those teams out at the moment. I think the Browns may, you know, if, if results go the right way next week, they could all be tied. I think on on the same record. So. Um, apart from the Steelers obviously had that tie with the Lions. So it's, I mean, that, that is a hard division to call, you know, you could go down to the last game of the season with the Ravens and Steelers playing each other and, and whoever wins that game either wins the division or whoever wins that game wins the last wildcard spot. You know, it could be a, a real winning in scenario. So um, this, I don't think it's at times the, the prettiest football to watch, but you know, at the same time, it's really competitive and really exciting. So um yeah, you know, being a fan in that division, JB, I think um, there's going to be some some nail-biting moments ahead. But we've talked about our highlights. What would you say is your um, your kind of the, the the team or the player you're most worried about after the weekend? You know, who had the the, 
kind of scariest performance, so to speak? Um, not my, I'm not worried about them because I hope that it very much continues. And I'm going to, you know, maybe take James's thunder, but I guess the Titans collapse that I'm sort of enjoying as a Colts fan that needs them to lose in us to keep winning. Um, you know, and, and with the greatest respect, James, that Pittsburgh Steelers team is not great at the moment. The defence is playing lights out football. I'll absolutely give them that. I think they're playing brilliantly. But equally, I think a half-decent quarterback and a half-decent offence can put points up against them. Certainly enough points to win a game purely because, you know, Big Ben and that Steelers offence is not really in sync, has not got it going and is more than likely in each week going to score less than 20 points. So you don't have to be, you know, putting up big numbers to beat them. But yeah, I just think the way they're struggling at the minute, I'd be very worried as a Titans fan because all the talk is, oh, you know, Derek Henry's, you know, ahead of schedule and they might have him back in early January and and this, that and the other. But at this point, they need to make it to January and they're kind of spluttering and stumbling. Um, and yeah, I kind of hope that continues, but they, they look like they're struggling at the minute. I don't think they're helped by, you know, by injuries, certainly. I mean if they can get into the playoffs and get Derek Henry back rested healthy in January, then I think they're going to be a threat to, you know, more so than they have been in other years. But I think, you know, if you look at their, one of their big, arguably big off season acquisitions in Julio Jones and, and, you know, he's been pretty much non-existent for them, you know, he's missed as a expected. lot of time as well as well. Yeah, exactly. As expected. And, and I don't think that's really gone in their favor. You know, if he turned up as the Julio Jones uh, in his prime, then, you know, it, it makes them a, a lot more threatening through the air as well. So I think that's a, that's a big deal. I think they've also had some defensive injuries. Has Bud Dupree missed some time as well? Um, obviously picking him up from the Steelers. So, um, yeah, it's not helped, but they've certainly gone into, into a bit of free fall recently. I think we were surprised when they coped with, with Henry's absence, but certainly over the last few weeks it's gone downhill. But you mentioned it earlier, JB, that pick from Hayden was, was great. And I think it was more so, you know, there were two elements to that play. There was the great play from, from Sutton to get, I think it was Sutton to get the receiver, you know, get him down and the ball to pop up in the air, but you know, the, to have the presence of mind and, and the agility for, for Hayden to just dive in and grab that ball while it popped up was, was brilliant. So that was a great play, you know, one of the plays of the weekend for me. And I think there was also the kind of that, that cinching tackle at the end as well. And that, ended up being a far more dramatic thing than it needed to be because obviously there's all of the talk about oh it's you know it's within inches and everything like that and then you go back and watch the tv replay and like stevie wonder could see he was nowhere near the first down marker and he hasn't seen anything since 1950 with apologies to stevie thanks for your continued support we know you love the podcast um I think the Titans are an interesting thing because, and again, not that I want to keep harping on records and, and win streaks and everything like that. They're still only lost one. That was that was a loss after a win. So it's not like they're they're falling and they're crumbling and, and everything's falling around. Everything's falling down around them. But I think the narrative around the Titans is that, and it's that kind of impact that that kind of loss can have on the team. When you look and think, well. The, the Colts are in the ascendancy, they're racking the wins up and they're winning games, but difficult games against good teams. Whereas the Titans are going into games that like I last week, I'd picked the Titans to win. I thought it was an absolute foregone conclusion with how the Steelers have been. And it 
proves that I should have more faith in my team. But you have to pull those victories together. You know, good teams beat good teams. Super Bowl winning teams beat, I would say everyone, but beat adversity. And that's kind of what the Titans need to do now. Yeah, some good points raised there. And um, yeah, really valid. It'll be interesting to see how they bounce back this week, um, you know, in week 16 to see if they can recover with a win. Um, just going to consult my cheat sheet to see who the Titans are playing this week. Oh, the 49ers, Thursday night football. So not an easy game. You know, it's not an, not an easy game. You know, the 49ers have come on strong over the last few weeks. So uh, that's, it's going to be another that's... interesting one. It's also going to be quite interesting because the Colts play the Cardinals on Saturday night on Christmas Day. And they the Colts could go into that game with a Titans loss, potentially looking at, well, hang on a minute. If we win this, it's four in a row. That's two losses in a row for the Titans. That's an equal record. I'm not sure at the moment who would have the tiebreaker in that. But you've got to then even more think from a Colts franchise, okay, we need to go in and take this one. I think if we go and beat the Cardinals, you know, we're just, you know, in that zone where we've beaten the Bills, we beat the Patriots, we beat the Cardinals, we kind of have the momentum, don't we? I think if you look at that game as well, you know, for the 49ers, if you want to look at the other side of the coin, if they were to win and then the Colts beat the Cardinals, they're only one game back from them. And, and one game back, you know, assuming the Rams were to win next weekend, there'd be there'd be one game back from them as well. So from a few weeks ago, looking out of out of playoff contention potentially and definitely out of division leading contention, it's all the two teams above them are coming back to them a little bit. So if the 49ers keep winning, then you know they're only two years removed from making the Super Bowl. So it's a, it's another real interesting division. So we talked a lot about the Titans. JB, what was your weakest performance what was your scariest performance of the weekend i mean scary scary in the last week kind of epitomizes the amount of players that we saw be carted off um obviously there was uh, the the horrible incident with donald parham on thursday night football and then there was just teddy bridgewater just being the unluckiest starting quarterback i think in the league because watching what happened to him was Oh, it just made your heart sink when you kind of think you just want the guy to catch a break. Um, in terms of things that you'd want to be concerned about, if I was a Patriots fan, hello, Nick, if you're listening, I would probably be worrying about a little bit about Mac Jones because while he's, while he's looked good the last couple of weeks, he hasn't looked great. He hasn't looked like that standout rookie of the year that everybody was touting him as. And yeah, he came back in the game against the Colts to to bring them within within a sight of of having the victory. But you wouldn't need that drama. You wouldn't need that adversity if you didn't put the team in the hole in the first place. And you've got to look and kind of think that's that's kind of what he did. Um, you've also got to look at and apologies, Phil. What happened on Sunday Night Football? Because that was terrible. Um, I won't dwell on it too much because I don't know if you want to say anything about it yourself, but just for a team that looked hyped to make a second Super Bowl in a row and potentially win a second Super Bowl in a row, very unusual for Tom Brady. Don't know if he's done that before. Um, 
it really looked like they just absolutely fell apart. Yeah, it's a good segue, really. I, I think um, that would be my low light of the week was the, the Bucks' offensive performance and special teams performance. I think, you know, there's there's three phases of the game and I think two of them were absolutely abysmal for the Bucks, and, and one of them was actually pretty good. You know, we held the Saints, if you look at it defensively in isolation, we held the Saints to three field goals, um, which is a, a really good performance. And I think if our defence can play like that against better teams through the playoffs then um, I think, you know, we, we do have a strong chance of getting there. I think the, the issue for us is that we started off bad um, and then it, it got worse from there with injuries. You know, we're already missing Antonio Brown through the last game of his suspension. We then lose Chris Godwin and Mike Evans in back-to-back plays. Um, so you're then missing your top three receivers. Rashad Perryman, arguably our fourth receiver, was on the COVID list, so he was out. So you're then going down to your five, six, seven receivers, you know, Tyler Johnson and Scotty Miller, who both made big plays in the, the playoffs last year. But um, I think if you're then thrusting them into the game plan as the one and two receiver, you know, they've just not had that exposure recently uh, or ever, really. Um, and then, you you know, you take Fournette in the running game um, and he gets injured you know, early in the second half. So it's it's tough to lose kind of big key pieces of your offence um, and, and to then kind of recover against that when you're already not playing particularly well. You know, it, it just summed up our night when Suck Up missed a field goal that I think, you know, 99 times out of 100, he'd, he'd hit every time. Um, and I think the play calling left something to be um, to be desired as well, whether it was left, which, you know, making sure he didn't get an interview in Jacksonville or something, I don't know, but... Um, you know, there, there were a couple of plays where we were third and short and we try and make, you know, the long dump downfield. Gronk had his worst game, I think, of his career. You know, he was targeted 11 times and only caught two of them. You know, one I can think of where it, it practically went straight through his hand. You know, it was just a poor performance. Um, apart from the D, it was a poor performance all over the board. Um, but, you know, I, I don't think the offense is going to play that badly again. You know, Godwin is out now for the season. It could be his last game as a Buccaneer, hopefully not, but um, it could be. But, you know, Evans is week to week, Fournette hopefully not out too long. And then we've got AB coming back this week as well. So if our defence can play as they did at the weekend, but our offence can actually turn up, you know, I, I, it's it's it was a worrying game, but I don't see us being that bad again, touch wood. So that was summing up our lowlights, our highlights and lowlights of the week. So as we do every week, it's now time for our hot topic. Um, And this week we're going to talk backup quarterbacks. So we've obviously seen some performances over the the season. You know, Kyler Murray's missed some time. Uh, The recent weekend, we saw Lamar Jackson miss some time again. Um, As James has mentioned, the third string quarterback, Mullins, coming in for the Browns. Who has been your or who do you feel is the strongest backup quarterback in the league? And Aldrin, I'll throw to you first. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's one of those... Throw to odd... you. Do you like that? Sorry, just a, a little segue. Talking nice. about quarterbacks, throw to you. Yeah, first. you're, you're doing a Sterling backup job in Rob's stead as well. So good work on that, Phil. Um, yeah, it's a weird position, isn't it, the backup quarterback? Because ultimately, if all goes right, you never see the field uh, and you're kind of a, a non-factor. But those teams that have a solid backup, somebody that's serviceable, can play... Um, and can, I guess, keep the offence ticking in the absence of a of your starter is so crucial to a team's playoff potential. You know, I think I think this year's been 
really odd because I feel like we've seen more than we usually do. You forget that Heineke is the backup quarterback in Washington. You know, you forget that because it's he's been the guy all season. But ultimately, it was Fitzmagic's role and he went down with injury. So, um, but yeah, I think for me, the guy that's showing the most capability is, well, we talked about it before, Tyler Huntley. You know, I think he looks like uh, a player that can lead an offense to a victory. Um, but even in that offense that's not particularly blessed with talent, you know, I know you you picked out Mark Andrews and he had a stellar night, but ultimately there's not a whole heap of stuff around him. You know, that running back room's been battered beyond belief this year. And who are they down to now? Donta Foreman, is it? And a mix of others. Um so with no real running game, receivers, I'm I'm still not sold on Hollywood Brown. I think he shows flashes, but, you know, ultimately isn't the kind of superstar wide receiver one that if you're a backup quarterback coming into a game, you think, well, I can just put the ball anywhere near him and he's going to come down with it. You know, they don't have that kind of guy beyond Mark Andrews, really. But yeah, I just think Huntley orchestrates that offense really well. I think I said it to you, JB, didn't I, when we were we were talking on WhatsApp earlier in the week. Arguably, is he playing better than Lamar was the, the previous couple of weeks when he was healthy? And I would probably argue, yes, I think he looks a, a better, more consistent throwing threat. And he still adds that mix of uh, dynamism as a running kind of quarterback, albeit, I mean, nobody can beat like compares to Lamar Jackson, but he still offers that threat. Um, So, yeah, I think for me, he is the guy that maybe is putting himself in the shop window for, for next year. You know, I'd probably even say Heineke's done that to a certain level. Um, But yeah, he's the one for me that really has shown out in the couple of audition games that he's, that he's had. I think I think you're right there, and I'm gonna, I'm just going to throw out the fact that he's also kind of going to be my my suggestion. Others that I'd got Heineke was on my list. Um, Mullins after his performance yesterday, I thought should also probably be given a bit of consideration. But I think both of those have thrown themselves in for that very capable backup. I think Heineke obviously more Heineke has has won games and proved he can do it, but. I don't think he set himself apart as a franchise quarterback. Not that I am also suggesting Huntley has either, but you have to ask yourselves the questions now of, is he running the offense better than Lamar is or or was? Is Lamar completely right? Because he's kind of been very hot and cold. He's missed some games, you know, with injuries. He's missed games with illness doing air quotes, which was never really expanded upon as to what that was. Not that it should. We don't have any right to understand what those things are. But at the same time, you have to acknowledge that that's still going to raise questions as to what's going on. And the end of that game on Sunday night kind of left me with a question of, are the Ravens brewing a quarterback controversy? Maybe. I mean, it's... I. I... I don't know, because I think that whole offense is solely predicated on Lamar Jackson being the guy. I think Huntley's, I think I kind of feel like Huntley's putting himself in the position that maybe you had 
last year with Taysom Hill and Jacoby Brissett, you know, where you feel like maybe he comes in for a few package plays where before that was never even in consideration. That's kind of where I, that controversy, I guess, maybe comes in to begin with. Yeah, and I think you kind of right to talk about how at times talent poor that Ravens offense can be, especially kind of with the injuries they're dealing with, with the COVID situation that they've had. Um, you can say what you want about Hollywood Brown, but you cannot doubt that he is a wide receiver that the Ravens have on their their team. And that's kind of it. He's not really produced in a way that you would want him to. And I will think a little of what Huntley's success has been is subscribing to that theory of, I don't understand why he doesn't just throw it to Mark Andrews every time. And that is kind of where all of their big plays came from. That's that's who they looked to for the two points. That was who they looked for the two points with Lamar. That is kind of the engine that goes through now. And that's only going to work so many times. I agree with you that Huntley was a strong performance. I think we're getting away from ourselves a little bit by talking about a quarterback controversy, though. We're only, you know, a, a month, two months removed from the Mike White game where, you know, he was he was going to be Zach Wilson who he was going to oh, be. Oh, yeah, we've not even mentioned him as the best backup quarterback. <laughs> exactly. And with good reason as well. You know, if you, if you look at how his stats ended up, um, five touchdowns, eight interceptions, you know, in parts of four games. Uh, you know, I think we're... We and the media in general can be very quick to anoint a new king, you know, a new quarterback um, because it makes a good story. But actually, uh, when you get down to the bones of it, you know, if, if, if Huntley was the guy week in, week out, I think defensive coordinators would have a lot more film to kind of game plan against. And I think he'd be a little less successful, but you never know. And if he keeps putting these kind of performances up as he did against the Packers, then you know, who, who knows what could happen further down the line. Um, but I don't see him displacing Lamar at the Ravens somehow. Um, and then Phil, who's, think, your, who's your pick? Go on. Well, if I think of my, my best backup quarterbacks, they're potentially players that haven't played a great deal or at all um, this year. One of them, I would say, is a package player, you know, as we've seen with Brissett in, in Miami, as you mentioned earlier. And I think that would be Marcus Mariota. Um, I don't think he did a terrible job with the Titans. I think Tannehill came in, um, you know, and, and his style of play clicked with the coordinators and the head coaching that they have. And Hill um, came in at the time where Derek Henry's kind of trajectory was massively up with that exactly, as well. It, exactly. it coincided, wonder, didn't it? Exactly. And you wonder now if you put Mariota in that team with with Derek Henry of the last few years, you know, would that have been much different? And, and it'd be interesting to see. But I think you, you can see from his limited action with the Raiders, you know, there's the game, I think, week 15 last year where he came in um, and won in the game in overtime. He's, he's got that ability. And I think at some point we will see him start for a team again, you know, be it due to an injury or, or something like that. I think we'll see him come in and and maybe earn a, a you know a, a 1b or a starter contract somewhere else i think somebody would I have think... taken him at the i think somebody would have taken him in the summer if it wasn't for his contract which basically meant that if he became a starter anywhere else he was on the hook for like 22 million or something yeah, exactly. everyone was like yeah you had a good game but i'm not going to pay 22 million for that absolutely and i think if we look you know if you look at the first round of the draft last year there were what five six quarterbacks that went um it was a real <laughs> strong quarterback class so you know all those teams who were in need um, kind of could, could pick one up through that. But I think this year it's a much thinner class 
um, in terms of, of quarterback ability. I don't see, or I, I certainly don't see one going number one. And it looks like the Jags are going to have the number one pick again. So I certainly don't think they're going to give up on Lawrence that quickly. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, you know, you think, as we've touched on earlier, the Steelers, you know, it's, it's got to be Big Ben's last year. I, I personally think he's holding them back slightly. And I think with another quarterback, they'd be, um, they'd have, have won a couple more games. Um, so there's him. There are other quarterbacks. You know, what's going to happen with Danny Dimes and the Giants? You know, they've shut him down for the year now. He's on injured reserve. Do we see him coming back there next year? Oh, I don't know. So, so you're, you're saying Glennon's your pick, you know? <laughs> well, well yeah. uh, I was no they're... surprise to put it this way. Sorry, JB. I was just going to say, the Giants are talking about starting Jake from this week. Exactly. So I, I, don't, I don't think uh, our affectionately named Barry Glennon is is going to be the answer for for the Giants? And sorry, Phil, I, we we've talked a lot, and I don't want to again tread over your points here. But if they're seriously bringing back Joe Judge, I think they're seriously bringing back Daniel Jones, and they're seriously going to be outside of playoff contention yet again. Yeah, I think look, Glennon's not the guy there, and it was no surprise for me to see um, from warming up, well, warming up there, you know, in, in the fourth quarter. And, and I think he will get the start because why not? You know, they're not going to make the playoffs. They've got nothing to lose. Why don't you see if, if there's a diamond in the rough there that, you know, he could be your guy moving forward. Um, the bills drafted from, didn't they? And they drafted him high, you know, with, with a, a reasonable amount of, of reputation behind him. So who's to say he doesn't come in, yeah. you know, that Prescott was a fourth round pick. Brady was a sixth round pick. Who's to say that, you know, someone like that doesn't come in and, and just turn it on. Spoiler alert. It's not him. He's not going to be that guy. <laughs> but I think that, you know, if we're looking at other potential quarterbacks who could be starters, um, you know, my other, my other kind of strong backup, I would say is Minshew in with the Eagles. You know, I think he did a yeah. good job when he came in for the, for the Eagles. I think he did a good job with the Jags. Um, over the last couple of seasons. And, well, I think and, you've seen how good that Jags team is with the, you know, all generation <laughs> QB1 that they drafted. So, yeah, exactly, I think yeah. he did a pretty good job. Exactly. So, you know, d- does that reflect well on him? And, and how, you know, will that shake out? Will there be a team who who are in need of a quarterback and, and mm. you know, want to want to kind of give it another go for Minshew Mania? Who knows? But, yeah, I think they'd be the two that I'd pick from. You know, if I was putting a team together and I was having to pick backups, um, you know, to be my starter, it'd probably be one of those two. Good shout. I so like him. Been... Excellent. So we've been through our highlights, we've been through our lowlights, we've touched on our hot topic. JB, it is over to you for the results and scores roundup so far for week 15. So we have two games left. Have we got a clear cut winner? Is it up in the air? What's going we... on? We do not have a clear-cut winner, and exactly as everyone will have expected when we made our predictions last week, it is all coming down to the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington football team. Depending on who wins that game, we'll decide if it is yet another victory for Rob or yet another victory for Phil, because it's going to be between the two of them at 11-3 and each. Uh, I am then next with 10 and four and Aldrin is as he does frequently just missing double figures with nine and five, but it's good that he's still here to take part. I went for some, I I went for some big swings and why did I pick the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? What a stupid mistake that was. Yeah. Crazy decision. What are you thinking about that? I I mean, in, in all honesty, like we all picked the Cardinals as well. Who saw that coming? 
I, I picked the Jags. I mean, that was an error, wasn't it? Never mind. Always next week. I might pick them again. So having I... missed last week's show and listening in, I understand there was a sandwich-based bet that didn't come off at the weekend. So as I understand it, Rob bet that the Broncos would beat the Bengals. Yes, if I believe, if I remember this correctly, I think Rob had the Broncos and the Bengals as his game of the week, and in our discussion phase, we convinced he. Our discussion convinced him to change his mind and pick the Broncos to win, which I said at the time was foolish, and was proved correct. And yes, as a result of that, uh, Rob does owe me a sandwich. Excellent news. And, and also, as you updated us this week, for our longtime listeners who remember our, our fantasy podcast um, before the season started, Rob dared to suggest that Daniel Jones would outscore Big Ben Roethlisberger this year. Um, and with Danny Jones being shut down for the season with 180 points and Big Ben currently on 220 points, unless he throws 10 interceptions, interceptions a game, for the remainder of the season, it looks not like... unimaginable. I've I've, oh, well, I've seen true. his performances he, this year. He he like, got um... in he got in with that line and beat me by this much. Yeah. So it looks like Rob will be buying James two sandwiches after this week. Um, I obviously bet with Aldrin that the Seahawks would not finish bottom of their division, that and they are the only team in that division who look like they are definitely not making the playoffs. So I think I will be purchasing one for you as well. They can chase me. Thanks, so. <laughs> so after a week throwing up a couple of upsets along the way, join us on Thursday to hear our picks for the week ahead and whether we think week 16 will go to form or whether there are more surprising results in store. So, gents, thanks as ever for your company. Nice one. Send thanks, Phil. Our... Good work. No, no thanks, Phil. Send our best wishes to Rob once again and we'll see you all on Thursday for our week 16 Pick'em Show. Remember to subscribe and be cool. Tell your friends.